Girlwise is a safe space to learn and discuss all kinds of topics through anecdotes and evidence-based research. I'm your host, Brenna Nicole, and welcome to Girlwise. Hey girl, this week we're going to talk about something I hinted at a bit in the last episode, and that is all about boundaries. Now, over the past few years online, it has been a buzzword that we keep hearing over and over again. And when that happens, it starts to get confusing on what it actually means. Do you know what boundaries actually consist of? I recently, in my mid-20s, really just understood it. Also, are they even necessary? We're going to break all of this down and more. Hey everyone, before we begin, I wanted to give a clear and important disclaimer to ensure that listeners understand the limitations of the advice given on this podcast. I am not a professional or expert on the topics being discussed, and you should always use your own judgment when it comes to where you stand on a subject and making decisions. While I do my best to direct you in what I think is the right direction, it is always wise to consult with a qualified professional when seeking advice on a particular issue. References will be in the bio so you can take a look at all the places I'm getting my information from as well. You know your own story and situation better than anyone else, so do what is best for you always. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. Okay, so what are boundaries? One of my all-time favorite quotes is, what you permit, you promote. When people who are unfamiliar with boundaries think of them, they may think of hard lines that are placed when nothing else is working. They might have a preconceived notion that they can place gaps between people or are a way to ice someone out. But what if I told you that the way I see it, boundaries are the ultimate expression of love. Love in its purest form is respect. And boundaries are the most efficient way to establish respect in all aspects of a relationship with someone. When you establish boundaries, you are showing self-respect by honoring your needs and you are also showing respect towards the other person because you can communicate ways to nourish the relationship and help it blossom. It shows that you care enough to want things to be healthy and safe for the both of you. Boundaries are a key way to resolve conflict. Conflict is not inherently bad. It's necessary for growth and it will happen whether you're an attacker or an avoider. This way we can stop problems from arising over and over again or becoming worse because they're not being dealt with. This excerpt from a Psych Central article sums it up perfectly. A person with healthy boundaries understands that making their expectations clear helps in two ways. It establishes what behavior you will accept from other people, and it establishes what behavior other people can expect from you. So why should you set them? Setting boundaries helps protect our identities, establishes safe spaces within our life, protects our mental and physical well-being, and overall helps the relationships we carry with other people. Boundaries can help us maintain a balance of what we want out of our relationships, I think as women, it is so important for us to self-validate and know that we are worthy of receiving our needs. Just as a person, you have the right to have healthy boundaries with everyone in your life, regardless of their connection to you. Why would we want to tolerate interactions that don't serve us or even hurt us? We are worth more than that. They create a sense of autonomy because... 
People can no longer dictate how we think or act. You can live for yourself now. They are freedom in every sense of the word. Boundaries can include categories like emotional, protecting our own emotional well-being, physical, protecting our physical space, sexual, protecting our needs and safety sexually, workplace, protecting our ability to do work without interference or drama, material, protecting our personal belongings, and time, protecting the use and misuse of our time. A few categories that I want to go more in depth on are things like self-boundaries. Setting boundaries with yourself is just as important as doing so with others, maybe even more so. If you can respect your own boundaries, it will be much easier for you to enforce them with other people. Because if you don't respect your boundaries, you will be less likely to expect other people to live up to the standards that you can't even reach. A big boundary that I've been trying to set for myself since last year is having a healthy bedtime. During the pandemic, I slowly but surely completely ruined my bedtime, going from around 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. This has been horrible for my health, you guys, because I have narcolepsy, so it unbalances my entire routine. Some months are better than others, but it just goes to show that we can all struggle with these things. A very powerful tool is to remind yourself why you are enforcing them. So instead of just saying, oh, I need to go to sleep now and not really knowing the reason why, I tell myself, okay, I should go to sleep soon because I deserve rest, relaxation, and the time to restore my body to keep it healthy. Now I have a clear idea of why I'm even trying to do this in the first place and I have much more motivation for doing so because of course I want those things. I do want to speak about a term I came across while doing research for this episode. They mentioned something called digital boundaries, and this is something that I have been mildly practicing but hadn't really noticed before, and it's something that we all, regardless of age, need to be mindful of. Some studies have found that we think the people who see our content are three times fewer than the people who actually do, and this study was done with adults. I don't even think children know what it means for that many people to see what they post. So a good way to put it into perspective is to think of it as a billboard. Would you be comfortable seeing that post as a billboard on the highway? Remember, once on the internet, always on the internet. So how do we set boundaries? The very crucial first step is to ask yourself why you are setting them in the first place, just like we discussed. What areas of your life do you think would benefit from you setting some? Having a clear idea of why you're setting them is the most important step to setting them. You're saying no to going out in the middle of the week because you want to be well rested for work or school the next day. You're not going to allow your aunt to tell you that you've gotten fat again because your mental health is more important than someone's internalized fat phobia. You're going to start going on walks instead of watching TV because you're already at risk for high blood pressure and want to be able to not get tired after just walking up the stairs. Boundaries themselves can range from light to very rigid depending on the circumstances in which you place them. This all depends on what you're comfortable with, how well the person that you're establishing them with is at respecting them, and overall the tone and energy in the situation. Being consistent with boundaries is also a very important key to maintaining them. Our societies don't make laws and hope people follow them. They put energy and resources to make sure that they're being abided by. It's the same principle. 
When people are testing them, you must be consistent in standing up for yourself. Also, setting them early on in new relationships is the most efficient way to know where you stand. This can help avoid any hurt feelings, conflicts, or confusion. Also, knowing that you can be empathetic while still setting them. Forgiveness and boundaries coexist. Respecting other people's boundaries is also very important. You cannot expect others to respect your limits unless you're going to do the same. And new ones can always be added at any time. We never really stop learning about ourselves and, like I said in the last episode, it's okay to change your mind about things. If you've never set them before, you could try with some light boundaries first and see how it goes. But what happens when people challenge them? I want to read another excerpt from an article that I thought was very well written. Quote, Sometimes, no matter how hard you've tried to communicate at your boundaries, someone may break them anyway. In that case, know you're allowed to cut off contact with that person. Anyone who doesn't respect your boundaries ultimately doesn't respect you. Of course, you have to know your boundaries before you can expect anyone else to follow them. So consider sitting down and writing out what some of your boundaries may be. It may help to work through the categories considering interactions that have made you feel uncomfortable in the past and how establishing boundaries may have helped. The most important thing to remember is that you're allowed to set these boundaries and there's no need to feel guilty about it. The world is not a better place when we ignore our own needs for the comfort of others. The people who care about you want to know what you need to feel safe, but they can't help until you know that yourself and are able and willing to communicate those needs. People who are not used to boundaries can sometimes find them challenging to follow. I know this is true because in the case of my very traditional Catholic older family member that was raised in a household where she, as a woman and second eldest of nine, needed to serve and make everyone else around her comfortable and not herself. So when I came, along with the help of societal changes, to recognize that feeling safe and comfortable was much more important to me than making others happy, she genuinely did not understand. And of course, if it's been ingrained in your brain that putting yourself first is the rudest thing that you can do, then it's not going to come naturally. The problem was so bad, and it pains me to even say it, that Even small acts of self-love, like eating healthy for her well-being, are completely foreign to her. She always puts herself last, and that is not an admirable quality, because now she has stage 3 kidney failure. And this might seem like an extreme example, but I'm sure there are so many people out there that have seen or experienced something similar. In the older generations, it was the norm. And I'm not trying to shame them. I can empathize and know that they were doing the best that they could. And we can also learn from them and realize that we no longer have to live that way. So in the case of my family member, one of the most important questions that I had to ask myself is, is this relationship worth fighting for? In some cases, the retaliation that you're going to be met with can be quite extreme and met with plenty of anger. But 
unlike other relationships in my family? The answer to this one was yes. I did want to put forth the time, effort, and energy into changing this relationship. There were a million boundaries I had to put up to steer in the right direction, but one of the first ones was communicating how I was comfortable being talked to. When she would yell and become mad over something that I knew was completely unhinged, like me saying that I wasn't going to dedicate my life to a husband and her saying that I would never find someone to marry or even going to the extremes that it would make me unlovable, I would calmly tell her that I don't respond to yelling or rude comments and that if she wanted to have a discussion, she would have to lower her voice and then walk away. Now, I know that for those of you who are in very toxic relationships, that can sound extremely daunting and bring up fear that it would escalate the situation. And in that case, I would suggest to run, not walk out of there. But you have to ask yourself, really ask yourself, what kind of life do I want to live? One in which I live for others when they're certainly not living for me? One where I am people's punching bag? One where I am miserable for the sake of others' emotional release? If you answered no to those, then it's time to set some boundaries. And if you're ashamed for setting them, then that is proof that those people may not have your best interest. Because now, they will no longer be able to benefit from you having none. Everything we talked about doesn't even begin to scratch the surface on how powerful and necessary boundaries are. But in summary, it is never too early or too late to instill respect in your relationships in the form of boundaries. They are very normal and a healthy part of life. Every single person in existence has them because most are unspoken, but communication is necessary to maintain thriving relationships. I hope this girl wisdom has helped you out today, and I want to reiterate that you are worthy of being respected, loved, and cherished. Okay, so it's time for Ask Me Anything, the part of the podcast where I answer any question that you have, no matter how big or small, and today's question comes from Aria. Thank you, Aria. They ask, what are the long-term effects of using gel on your hair? So what makes the hair gel work are polymers with water. After they're applied to the hair, the water evaporates and the polymers stick together, holding the hair in place. Different polymers are better in different weather conditions. So if you're using a polymer made from mild climates like PVP or poly and vinyl 2 pyrolidone, it will become dry and flaky in dry climates and sticky in the humid ones. From my research, I found no information that these polymers actually cause any hair damage on their own other than irritating the scalp when mixed with sebum from constant application without washing. The real problem lies with harsh chemicals added to these products to cut corners on production costs and extend the shelf life. Things like parabens and sulfates, which are meant to stop the growth and cultivation of bacteria and fungi in the product, can irritate the scalp. Alcohol notoriously dries the skin and scalp, so if the gel contains this, it can even cause hair loss. In conclusion, by washing your hair regularly, not using gel on the scalp, looking for products without harsh chemicals, and making sure you aren't sensitive to the ingredients in the product, there isn't much that long-term use of gel will do. But experts still prefer pomades or defining creams. And there's this product I found that's called Styling Powder. It mimics a texturizing spray and gel at the same time, and it blew my mind. 
I'll definitely have to try it out and let you guys know how it goes. Now, this is all very different from hairspray, which has its own different list of ingredients. But there you have it, besties. If you want to submit a question, you can send it to girlwisepod at gmail.com. That is G-I-R-L-W-I-S-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review this podcast as it helps me out a ton. There's a new episode next Saturday, so I'll see you there. Bye!